Hi, everyone. Welcome to Evil Chat number 15. It's my second one with Don Babbitt. Uh, it's, uh, it's a good one. Uh, it's, uh, there's a lot of good general stuff in here, uh, but a good chunk of it uh, in the middle and near the end is about Hammer. I'm going to try to come up with another podcast within a few days that is a little more general. For those of you that aren't throws people that don't want to listen to Don and I talk specifically about Hammer, uh, at the beginning of this, we talk a lot about uh, some of the athletes he's coaching and managing them. So I think there's some good general stuff there. Um, yeah, and uh, once again, um, been a little slow getting these out, uh, although that's going to pick up now as the high school season here in Chicago is is uh, just like a state meets are coming up. We're in the middle of what they call sectionals, um, or like a regional championships that decide who go to who goes to state. State meets are this week and next week. It's June sixth as I do this. Um, I did this podcast with Don quite a while ago, back in March. Um, but yeah, so as the high school, I'm coaching at three different high schools. So it's uh, as that's uh, winding down, then uh, I should have more time to get back to this uh, and be a little more diligent with it. Um, I'll try to come out with a, uh, a more general podcast within a few days of this. I'm not sure if I already said that, but there you go. Um, I have I have some lots of stuff in the bank ready to go out. Um. Yeah, so it, uh, yeah, it's been really, really good getting back into coaching. I'm even traveling a little bit again, which is, I don't really enjoy traveling, but it is nice to get out to meets. Wow, it's a big change. Um, and uh, yeah, so we went to Mount Sac. Uh, uh, that was really good. Um, uh, Agna, this girl, threw a Lithuanian national record right off the bat, first meet out, so that was kind of nice. Uh, then we went to um, Tucson for the uh, for the Tucson Elite Throws, which I've never been to before. I'd send athletes there, but I've never been to. Uh, big shout out to TJ Crater uh, for the great job he does at putting that on. I mean, it was a it was an outstanding competition. This year they they teamed it up like uh, two days later they had the the USATF or USA track and field, uh, the, like the showcase meet or the money meet that was there. And, and that meet all the top girls, uh, which are mostly American now are there. Um, um, Lauren Bruce from the Kiwi, uh, set a national record. Uh, the Nigerian girl set a national record. I think when Barry had her best throw in a long time. Uh, so it's, it's, I think she might be number one now in the U S this year, right? I'm not sure, but the highlight of the whole thing was watching Ryan Krauser throw 2301 in the shot. Wow. Like that's really, that was, that was really something else. And Agna and I were standing there, you know, within 20 feet of the, of the apron watching that playing uh, playing the game uh how far was that throw you know when it lands and you before they read it out well how far do you think i when that shot landed they had a 22 meter line and when it landed i instantly said 2298 and she said 2297 and it was 2301 so i won that just want to say that anyways um <clears throat> Uh, and, you know, that sort of takes me into what I wanted to say next is that um, 
yesterday we I was asked to to announce at a throws only meet in the, out in Aurora, Illinois, one of the Chicago suburbs. Uh, and it's something I've been meaning to point out to people. I wanted to wait till this podcast to do it. That there is a, I mean, it's it's quite amazing the throws tradition that comes out of the suburbs in in um, in uh, in Chicago. A lot of top throwers in the U.S. have come out come out of this area. Um, most notably, I'd say Brian Oldfield is from from around here. Uh, Petranoff, Tom Petranoff, the great American javelin thrower. I think I think Tom Puxtis is from around here too. I mean, it's just it's crazy. Anyways, there's some people out there doing really really good work. Um, I, I was approached uh, months and months ago by two coaches uh, that run a site called McThrows. They do a lot of really good coach development work on there, and two really good coaches that work out of, that run that site, Dan McQuaid and Roger Einbecker, and and they introduced me to this guy, <laughs> Hammerman. And if you don't, if you don't, if you're a Hammer person, you don't know who Hammerman is. You should know who Hammerman is because anybody with enough balls to call themselves Hammerman is worth knowing. Um, his name's James Coxworth, Jim Coxworth, and I've been and ever since meeting this guy, I've like this guy's just amazing. Anyways, he he has his own private hammer facility he was a hammer thrower in college uh done well for himself since uh getting into his real life and uh really just wants to support the event and throws in general and he runs a series the point of this is he runs a series of uh of sort of all comers meets that are run out of this beautiful facility that he has um and I just wanted to run some of those dates for people that are looking for competitions and uh, they run straight four throws. Um, a lot of high schoolers, uh, college athletes, uh, Agna threw at it yesterday uh, through well. And uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's really good. So for those of you that are looking for meets at this time of year, once the high school season ends, because uh, you know, it can get pretty dry. He's got a series of dates. Uh, the first was yesterday, June 5th, uh, June 12th, June, July 17th, July 31st, and August 7th. And they're all in Aurora, uh, Illinois. Anybody can enter them. You just got to contact him. Uh, his website is hammermanusa.com. Um, I think we're going to compete at a number of them. So, Yes, and I bring that up because, uh, well, I wanted just to mention uh, the series of meets for those who want to do it. Uh, you know, but the other thing I was announcing, which was kind of cool, I've never done that before during a meet. And so I, uh, uh, one of the things I did was, uh, you know, just to make things interesting is before the, I announced shot and javelin before those two started, I, um, I put some flags out at the current world records, male and female and U.S. high school, male and female. And this gets back to Krauser. I didn't know that Ryan Krauser holds the U.S. high school record in the discus, 72 meters. And Sam Krauser holds, I don't know if it's the high school record, because when you look it up, there's two of them, but it's the further of the two, I think. Um yeah, these Krausers, like, I remember the Krausers going back, way back in the day. So I think that interviewing 
Ryan Krauser's father would be the ultimate throws interview because he coaches his son um, and he's that whole family. I mean, geez, they're like the uh, they're like the Kennedy of the throws world in the U.S. I think Kennedy's of the throws world uh, here in the U.S. and uh, I don't know how to get a hold of him. So if anybody has a contact, if you think he's interested uh, in, in having a discussion, I would, I would do, yeah, like, I would go way out of my way to coach or to coach Jesus to speak with Mr. Krause or whatever his first name is. I'm sorry. I don't know. I know it's, uh, he, yeah. So I'm not super, I always get them all mixed up because I know that there were two, I think there were brothers that threw way back in my day. Um, and I, I've always gotten them confused. I'm not sure which one the father is or whether he, he was a throw. I mean, it's just, you know, it's just one of those things where there's so many of them, you get them all confused, but I mean, it's just, somebody's doing something right there. And I would love to have a long, deep dive into the development, um, of, all of the Krausers and what they've done. I think this, yeah, I think Ryan Krauser is probably the most exciting thing in the sport right now. Uh, Mondo, I, him and Mondo Duplantis, um, I mean, it's just really, they've really added a, um, especially in such a, such a shitty time uh, in a lot of ways with COVID and everything. I think what he's doing in the shot and what Mondo Duplantis is doing in the vault, and I'm sure there's a few that I'm not mentioning that are out there but to me those two are you know they're the most exciting things so anyways uh, if anybody knows mr krauser please i would love to have a chat with you um yeah so uh and uh last thing before uh i let this run with don and i is also kibway johnson's working out at spire institute in ohio he had a series of meets um that were, and I apologize publicly to Kibway because we were entered in one, but then at the last second, Agna got uh, accepted to Mount Sac, so we went to Mount Sac. And, um, but they, I think they might be having some meets later on too. I talked to him about it, and he said that they were very interested in doing some meets in in the summer, or at least one. I think on their website, there's they mention a Throws Festival, but uh, there's no specifics on it. But uh, if I'll keep in touch with Kibway and I'll, I'll, I'll mention it, or you can just contact him directly, directly yourself. It's Spire, S-P-I-R-E, Institute in Ohio. Okay, so enough of that. Let's get going with this podcast uh, with Don Babbitt. Uh, it's a good, I always love talking to Don, man. It's just, and, and him and I are definitely going to do more of these uh, he's just so, he's just so great. He's just so great. And I just love the way he, he thinks about things and yeah. Okay. All right. So here it is uh, for better, or for worse. Here is my evil chat. My second evil chat with the throws general Don Babbitt. Okay. It's going. All right. Mine's going too. And your levels look good. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, when you talk, the green is it's well. Going, you probably haven't changed it from last time, right? No, it's the settings the same. It's it's going up into the yellow a little bit. So, perfect. It's a, that's it's perfect. Good. Yeah, yeah. Okay, good. All right. Well, let's get started. Yeah. So, uh, 
Hey, Don, how are you? I'm, I'm, I'm good. I'm good. So it's nice good. and warm down here. So enjoying the good training weather. How was, uh, oh, yeah. Oh, man. I don't even, well, it's, the weather just turned here, but man, it turned, it's crazy, man. It was minus five Celsius yeah. last week, and we hit almost 20 yesterday. Yeah. Like, like it's like, that's a mass in Celsius. So that's a massive yeah. change. So what is that? That's like, so it's uh, close to 70, it's like 68, I think. Yeah, 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 and we were five degrees below zero like a week ago. Yeah, training in the morning, like yeah. Anyways, it's so, <laughs> but it's super windy today too. So, hey, how was SECs? Um, it was good. You know, we just kind of did it as a uh, kind of a dry run for NCAA's. You know, it's at the same venue at Arkansas, and mm-hmm. we just did our different entries and doubled some people up here and there to see how well they could handle it with the schedule, and it went well. So. Uh, NCAA start tomorrow, so we'll see how things go. Right. So I wanted to – well, I don't know where this one's going to go. I wanted this to be kind of technical and at least start with the hammer. Maybe the whole thing will be about the hammer. Um, But before that, there there was a couple things. Um, Just like what – I don't – one thing I want to ask you, what's Reese doing these days? He is, uh, he's actually a licensed massage therapist now. So he, yeah, he works with a big med or out of a big medical group here in Athens, which is, it's spread throughout Northeast Georgia. And, uh, but he also, um, he works with them and then he, we actually contract him out at the University of Georgia to work with our team now. So, So um, so he works on our. So athletes. he's your massage therapist. Yeah, he's our massage therapist. Oh, that's great. Yeah, Which yeah, that's nice. great. And actually, 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 full disclosure, I knew that because you and I talked about that yeah. before. But I, I, I really like that guy. I yeah. always love that guy. So I just, I was just interested in what he's doing. So, 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 is he? Does he like travel with you guys? Uh, not yet. You know, with COVID and everything, you know, oh, we, right, we're, we're restricted on our travel party and that type of stuff. So, so right now we're just seeing him. You know, once a week. Uh, to work right. on selected people each week. So, um, you know, in, in normal times, the massage therapist, we would bring him or them to the big meets, uh, most of the big meets. So the championship mm-hmm. meets, then maybe a large meet like uh, Mount Sac or something like that. Right, so, right, right. What's his skills like? Good. Um, you know, yeah? He, he's, yeah, he's, he's very good. He, he's always been... He's always good at what he does, you know. If he if, when he right. endeavors to do something, he's going to really study up on it, and right. he's just going to be relentless and make sure he does it right. The other like thing, like the too, Rubik's cube, he, like the Rubik's cube, exactly. <laughs> so uh, the the one thing with him too, you know, obviously being who he is, he's got pretty strong hands. So right. he's a guy that's able to really get down in there and and, and uh, you know, no challenge is too big. You know, there's some ther- you know therapists can't work that well in the big guys they just aren't strong right. enough he is you know so yeah yeah oh which, for, which sure. Good, for sure for so. sure but he's also yeah he's also though i i would imagine he's got a pretty gentle demeanor about him am i right about that yeah. i mean at least when i've been around him he's a he's a you know he's he he's an easy guy to be around he's, yeah he's a yeah i remember when you guys oh uh, go ahead yeah he's no he's very easy to be around and he's naturally pretty mild-mannered you know and, right. and easygoing is, is probably right. the best word so right um you know it, it's rare that he really will get upset and real about something um something i re- i remember when when we or when i was living in england 
and you and him came to Loughborough to do that clinic, yeah. and he came over for dinner that yep. night. Yeah, I think was was Sean with you? Was Sean, Pickering with you? Pickering that, was that with night? us. I can't remember if he dropped us off or if he came yeah, over I to your house. I can't remember either. Anyways, we had we had dinner. Yeah, my, my, it's it's funny because my wife was talking about this the other night when I when I was last week when I yeah. told her I was. Uh, that I was interviewing you and uh, she remembers that distinctly I remember going out and she didn't know what to do for dinner so she just went out and bought as much meat yeah. as she possibly <laughs> could and barbecued this massive platter of meat and yeah. something else there was something else and it was like these two big bowls one was meat and one was like I, I don't know what it was it was something else it was corn or something we had or some I, wings too to start maybe Oh, I think we, yeah, I think we right. ordered some wings, so it was kind of like very right. American, you know. So, right, right, right. Uh, and <laughs> and and we were sitting on the deck, and he kept saying to me, "He's just he's just sitting there. He's just happy, right?" Yeah. And 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 he kept saying to me, "Man, it was, I love your kitchen. I just <laughs> I love your kitchen." And then every time I would see him after that, if we were at World Champs or something, I I'd see him. And he go, hey man, how man? I love that kitchen you lived in because remember the kit. I mean, it wasn't yeah. that great of a kitchen, except it had these glass doors so, that would open completely up, so the yeah. entire wall would open up, and you could walk out onto the deck. Right? It was that a was place the that we rented. Thing. I remember that yeah, distinctly. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. It was, it was. Uh, <laughs> I remember that. It was pretty funny. But he, he's a good guy. Yeah. I really. I really enjoyed having him over. It's good. What's what's um, what's Adam doing these days? You know, Adam lives in suburban Atlanta, and he's the athletic director at Lovett School, which was his high school. So, oh wow! Um, so it's it's a private school, um, right in the middle, not right in the middle, but in Buckhead. So you know, the rich part of town. Okay. And uh, so it's it's. I'll one bet of you the, he's good at that, man. You, you know, when you look at. He went. He went to love it, of course. And I just thought, in in a lot of ways, he's the perfect guy for the job because he embodies what athletes that go to that school want to be. You know, he, he's he's a guy from Atlanta that mm-hmm. went there, excelled in football and track and field, of course. Then went to an Ivy League school, got an Ivy League education, you know, and then also went to the Olympics. And, and won medals at the Olympics too. Obviously, what was gold medalist two thousand four. Right. So you're right. looking at an athlete at the highest level, but academically, he did great stuff too. And so yeah. he understands, you know, what what the mission statement of the school is, what they're trying to do, and he has the connections too. So uh, you know his his upbringing, you know, business wise, and his career path up to that point wasn't to go be an AD at a school like that, but. Right. He's sort of a non-traditional hire. However, when you, when you look at the intangibles, it looks like it could be a really good hire. So, right, um, right. I haven't I haven't been able to talk to him about half a year or so. Just just been you know busy with stuff. But uh, right. you, you know, he was looking to you know things opening up again, and <laughs> he's always ambitious, yeah. wants to get things rolling. But obviously, right totally. now we can't get stuff rolling too well. We're just trying to survive. So, what was the big difference? between those two in terms of coaching them for you like if you had to say one thing like what would it what would it you know like what was distinct about each of them that was that was really oh, different it was i tell you what in in there's a couple of different ways they're very different extremely different uh and one was adam adam was a kind of go for broke gambler 
you know, he, he's... Well, he, you could see that he, when he threw, man. Yeah. I mean, that was... And yeah. it's personified in his throwing. Every time he got in the ring, you know, he's looking to set the world record. He's swinging for right. the fences. He's a baseball player. Right. It's it's just a home run, right. you know. Right. He's going for the home run. Reese is a schemer and very slow and steady and methodical, completely the opposite. So he's the guy that'll go in, he's kind of finding his rhythm, and then maybe about the fourth throw, he'll line one up and he'll put the... He'll get the mark out there that's going to win right. the competition for him. Right. So... And, and you just look at their kind of their lifestyle and how they did things. Just Reese is very methodical and steady, where Adams maybe by comparison a little bit more impulsive. So they yeah. were very different in that way. Now they both worked really hard. They were mm-hmm. both relentless and they had all those qualities that you have to have to be a great champion. But boy, right away, if you spend a few minutes with him, you can see Reese is just a lot totally. more slow and steady, and Adams the go for broke guy. So yeah. I interviewed Adam for when I was in Edmonton. Yeah. And I remember clearly thinking, I mean, this guy, he's just so clear in what he, you know, like you ask him a question, you get a super clear answer yeah. and he's just direct and, you know, and, uh, um, and, but you can, I guess what I'm trying to say, he, like the intensity in him really comes through, right? Yeah. Like, I mean, it was really, you know, it's it's cool. I loved it, right? Yeah. And and uh, um, and yeah, Reese is the opposite. Reese is just, you know, he's like big teddy bear that sort of sits there, yeah. and you know, he's a big lovable dude. But uh, yeah, so so so, like, did you have to did you have to change the way your approach to each of them because of that, or did you, or was it really just? I, matter of letting them be who they are. Oh, I, I just let them be who they are. I mean, I, I think they're going to be their best when they're going to be who they are, you know. Um, right. So of course. They, they, yeah. they worked well together. They kind of understood each other. And mm-hmm. I think they, they obviously want to be the best that they can be. But I think they were good at knowing how to get the other person to help them be the best that they can be. You know, they, they knew what they could get out of the other person in terms of motivation or competition or support or whatever it may be. And they didn't try to force something that wasn't going to happen. You know, they, they had an understanding of how the other person was wired. So um, usually when you get some, sometimes you get some, you know, some big stars together and they're just trying mm-hmm. to force their will upon each other. Right, right, right. And, and you get two alpha yeah. males there and then one's going to win, one's going to lose. They were pretty good at making it a long-term win-win situation. So Right, right, right. Um, yeah, if they were sprinters, I, I wouldn't have seen that working. Yeah. You know? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. you know, uh, you know, if they were classic sprinters, I think. If they um um so what was the crossover with those two in in your group in terms of time? Like who's older, who's younger? Like were they were, were their careers like did they peak around the same time? I I'm not yeah. Pardon my ignorance, um, but I mean I'm Adam. Adam was top dog first, so that's what I thought. So, okay. so when when Adam came in, I guess in, in the group, so to speak, uh, and really started training at Athens, Reese was just finishing college, so okay. Reese was just getting over twenty meters and really starting to figure out the throw and. I remember we were at the, our favorite pub, and this is where all the, you know, Brad Snyder, Jason Tunks, all the guys oh, yeah, that yeah. were here, we'd go to this place called the Globe. You know, we, when we have a, a get together on a 4th of July or something like that, you know, or some special right. evening, we'd all either go there or the Mellow Mushroom downtown. So the, the Globe is a <laughs> the really. Mellow Mushroom? The Mellow Mushroom yeah, has a pizza place. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, but it, it's, uh, 
so I remember going there and I remember Adam, we were sitting there and we had dinner and we were having some drinks and just talking about whatever. And then I remember Adam just, he started sitting down and really talking to Reese and Reese is just sitting there listening to Adam and Adam's getting pretty intense. And Adam was kind of telling him like, Hey, you're going to be good. You're, you're on your way. And I remember him saying this, at this time, Reese had just broken 20 meters. You know, his PR was 2022. And Adam's like, Hey, I, I can see 68 feet in you, which is like 2080. I can right. see 68 feet. No problem. It, it's right there. You just gotta, you're going to do this and this, and then you're going to have it. So it's just a matter of time. And then after that, I mean, who knows? And right. so I could tell when he's telling that to Reese, Reese is, I think thinking, I, I felt like Reese was hoping he could do that. But then when Adam was telling him he could see that in him, yeah. Reese is kind of like, oh. Ordering him almost. Yeah, okay, yeah, <laughs> I, I can do that. So yeah. um, so he was definitely like the big brother kind of mentor right right, right oh, there. Oh, cool. Good so, for him, man. So, so when Adam came in, he definitely was like, you know, he was you know, top guy in the world, basically. Him and Godin were the two top guys. And the next year in 2002, that's when Adam had his, that really great year and threw his all-time PR and, right. and it was over 22 meters like four or five different times. It was, it was just a great right. year. Was, he, was, he, was that the – was that – because I know he threw 22 kind of bookended his career. Was that at the, near the end? Like when he was like 30 or something when he threw that, right? He was – Or am well, I wrong? He, he, he broke 22 for the first time in 2000. And okay. he took his PR from like 2067 – that that from the year before and took it up right. to to twenty two twelve, so okay. he he took and, it up but, a meter and a half in one year. He really figured some stuff. But there was out. like ten years later, he threw twenty two. Yeah. he threw but further he was, or almost further, like um, ten or twelve years later. I thought like he was like thirty or something. Thirty five, thirty two, eleven, maybe. It's thirty six. Oh wow! Thirty six. Wow, really? Yeah. So, cow, so he, okay. he, he broke 22 for the first time at age 25. And then uh, okay. the last year that he threw 22, he was 36. So 11 years 11 later. years. And that was like the wow. record. The old record was like 10 before that. So Reese, wow. Reese, uh, Reese had a pretty good gap, too, where his last 22-meter year was, you know what? It might have been... It might have been 12, and his first one was 06. It might have been six or seven years where he went 22. But then he had a couple years afterward where he was like 2190. It was like really close, you know. Right, so, right, right. Almost 22. And so, uh, but, but Adam, he had that big breakout year in 2000. Then he moved to New York in 2001 because his, his girlfriend was living there. And training in New York City is pretty tough. You got to take yeah. the subway here and the subway there. And so that just didn't work out. And then they moved to Athens. And then in 2002, he went 22:51 at that. There was a there was a Grand Prix meet up at um, Mount Hood. It was a, it was the Portland Grand Prix, but they held at Mount Hood College. Okay. And everybody went off there at that meet. So I remember that. Yeah. It's like three yeah, guys yeah. over 22. Even even like yes. It, even Brad Snyder threw like he like you know 20 2080 or something. He just missed right. his all time PR. I mean, everybody had a great meet. Um, right. Wow. Wow. That's cool. Yeah. Um, did they ever? Did those two ever podium at the same time? Um, Godina and Nelson. No, uh, no, Nelson uh, uh, Reese. Yeah, that. yeah. Two thousand seven, they went one two. So part, pardon, pardon, pardon yeah. sure. Pardon my ignorance because it's you know I'm terrible with remembering things to begin yeah. with. But uh, okay, wow. So you, so you had you had 
One and two. It was one, it was one two in 2007. So that's Reese oh, wow. one in Osaka. Adam was second. So, so um, at the at at the peak of say that time when they were with you, who else was in the group? Like when was you, like when was it like oh my god? Like you walk out there and there's oh there's this person that person the, regardless the, of the event. Like the 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 best years in that sense were probably 2004. And then 2001 were the like the the deepest best years, and there's a few people coming and going too. So, but I would say the two best years in that sense were 2004 and 2001. But 2002 was really good too. 2005. Right. So who was there two, at that time? Like who? So I tell you what, there was one day, um, just one day. I was at the hammering. We had a, we had a pretty um, we had a more of a chain link fence for the hammer cage at the time, so I would take the ladder and put it all the way up, and I'd stand at the top of the ladder, so I was about fifteen feet above the hammering, and video straight down as watch practice from straight on top. Oh, so so cool. you, get, you get a different view of the discus and the hammer there, which is pretty right. cool. And I borrowed the idea from seeing what Stuart Toger had set up at um, at Oregon. He had, he had a full crow's nest where you could sit there. I had to stand on the ladder. Really? So I was up there. And I think we we're throwing hammer, and Andres Hawkins, who's an 80 meter hammer thrower, he was throwing. Jay Harvard, who's a 74 meter guy, was throwing, and and there's another girl that was like a 65 meter girl who's USA finalist. She was throwing, and then Jason Tunks comes over, and he's stretching. I'm up on the ladder. I look down. Jason's stretching below me, waiting for the hammer to finish so he can go throw discus, and then Adam and Reese come out and they're stretching and doing some sprints on the straightaway and then I look on the other side of the field and there's Bro Greer doing some medicine ball throws Wow! and I was just sitting there going wow. I, it, it just struck me for like that 10 minutes there I was looking around going man there's just yeah, somebody yeah. good here like who's the best athlete and honestly yeah, I was sitting yeah, there going yeah, totally. I like well you know maybe Tunks is because that guy is just tall and can dunk and just strong but then Bro's really unique, you know, and then yeah. Adam's really powerful, and Snyder's just really strong, and just uh, you know, yeah. it was it was just amazing. There's like seven real, just you know, world class throwers at one time. Totally. And what, it uh, hit me. How long did you coach Hacklets for? You know, uh, pretty much on and off uh, from ninety nine to two thousand twelve. Oh wow! Wow! Now I. Go ahead. In, in in the beginning of that, this uh, that's basically you know twelve thirteen years. The first five or six years was you know just a lot of just me and him coaching. Then right. the second half of that, he was spending a lot more time in Europe, and he'd come over for an extended training camp, and I'd meet him at the World Championships or something like that. Then at the very end, <laughs> he was. This is it's, it's funny. It's sad. It's funny too. Is he was doing bobsled for Croatia. And wow, I, four, I didn't know yeah, that. Yeah, four wow. man bobsleds. They, they were they were twentieth in Vancouver. So oh, wow, and uh, huh. maybe nineteenth. And so, uh, so he's a five time Olympian, four time Summer Olympics, one time Winter Olympics. But he's a better hammer thrower than he is a bobsledder. And <laughs> the thing though was, is he was doing bobsled for three months. He would get triple the stipend for being an extremely oh mediocre God. bobsledder. So right. he could pay for his hammer habit in the summer where he was 10th in the Olympics, you know, in 2008. So, like I said, it was funny and sad at the same time. Yeah, so yeah. He, he would come on over and bring the, the he'd bring the uh, 
for they'd come over for a month and just do some warm weather training before they went right. to Germany to work on all their technical training, or or they went up to Canada too, and um, like in Calgary, yeah. and uh, it was just it was funny they'd come there and train. I'm like, man, Hawkins, you're not a bobsledder. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he's like, coach is paying the bills, you know, yeah, yeah, no, I'm not well, going to yeah, complain. No so I, I understood. Yeah, yeah. So totally, totally. I remember the one thing I remember about him was his catch off his entry. Yeah. Was insane. Yeah, like I, re- like, like I think I, I swear to God, I remember him catching beyond you know, beyond 180, like, yeah. like, like more towards the right sector line than the left. And I, yeah. and I remember thinking to myself, how does his back take that? Like, yeah. cause he was so, you know, he's so, I mean, it was, a, it was a hell of a catch, Yeah, but, uh, yeah, yeah. He, he, um, yeah, he catch it very close to 180. You know, I think yeah. Skvarg from the Ukraine, he actually caught it behind 180. Right. He catch right. it 175, but, but Hawkins is yeah. pretty close. But but Skvarek had such a slow entry. Like, yeah. I mean, the ball was, I mean, he, he was almost holding his hands up and the ball was, you know, like, you, I, like stop, I remember the wire. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, stop. Yeah, and so it was so slow, I guess he could just get his foot down. But Hocklitz had a, had a bona fide, yeah. relatively quick entry to get your foot down. Or, you know, to get to get back enough to get your foot down that early, that was does that well, that was unbelievable. If you look, uh, it was interesting with with Andres. You know, he was seventh at the World Championships in two thousand nine in um, in Berlin. So that was his highest placing in the major championship. And they did a biomechanical study that IAAF did there, and his his ball speed was the um, the the slowest basically through the through the uh, course of the throw for the most part. Obviously, mm-hmm. it'd speed up at the end so you get the release speed. But his ball path was really, really long. Really long, Which yeah. is probably right. the impression you got when you watched him. He he turned a lot slower than everybody else, but he's also a lot longer. So Right, um, right. But yeah, the studies did show it was interesting. He had really long ball path, but very slow rate of acceleration. And then you get other guys like Parrish where it's shorter ball path, but great rate of acceleration, you know. Right, um, right. But by rate of acceleration, you know, uh, like they must be measuring the ball. They're measuring not, the not, ball, yeah. yeah. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Okay, okay, okay. So, wow, so, okay. Uh, so it wasn't necessarily doing them all that, that good, was it? If no, he, he no, had a longer... It, basically, what it just shows you was there's just lots of different ways to do it, you right, know. Right. Um, and so when you look at a guy like Andres, he was just one extreme. He was just a long, slow, steady acceleration where these other guys are a little bit shorter and jerkier right. by comparison in some cases. Right, right. So. Well, that, you know, that's great. That leads us right into what I want to talk about. Yeah. Which was which was Hammer. So, um, well, there's, I, you know, there's a couple of ways we could do this. Actually, I have a question for you. Yeah. Um, because I have an issue with this girl I'm coaching right now, a technical issue that um, – it's one of those things that's it's you know it's an obvious thing that I think needs to be corrected, but not easy to do. Yeah. So somewhere along the line, and and you know to frame it up, this girl's only been throwing a few years. She's not. Um, she's highly trainable. She's an outstanding learner. Outstanding learner. I mean, in fact, she's 
so good of a learner, I think it's almost to her detriment because I, you know, you know, you know, when you have those athletes that can absorb so much so yeah. fast, you tend to give them more. Yeah. And, you know, and then you get greedy. <laughs> and then you end up finding out later that you've overloaded them and then, ah, you know, and, you know, and so I think we've, we've, we've hit that point. But one of her big issues is somewhere along the line in the, I, I've only been coaching her about six weeks now. And somewhere along the line, she's, I don't know whether she picked this up from, you know, self-study or she was actually told, taught this. Uh, she's, she's consulted with numerous different hammer coaches and stuff like that. Cause she was essentially been throwing on her own for, yeah. for the last few years is, you know, I mean, she's, she does the, you know, it's classic mistake of dragging on, on the left side, but she throws her head back. Like, and she has, she has developed this movement. I, I don't know. I guess you call it a movement stereotype where her, her go-to reaction to accelerating the ball is to throw her head back and her shoulders back. Right. Yeah. So, you know, it's pretty obvious. It's a pretty, you know, but man, am I having a hard time getting her to getting her to change it. And, and like I said, she's a super good learner. So she actually can change it, but the feeling is so foreign to her that, you know, she'll do it. She'll look really well. She'll throw not bad in terms of distance. Obviously, it's not going to go as far as when she's, yeah. you know, she's throwing the head back and leaning back and posture goes all to hell because that's what she's been doing. She's learned to apply force that way. But but she actually does okay when she does it right, but it feels so foreign to her. She really struggles. Like, you know, like, what are your thoughts on that? Like, what, like, you know, like, what would your approach be there? Because my approach has been cueing her out of it has been 50-50. Okay, it's been tough. And so I've also resorted to doing a lot of turns on the track. And mm -hmm. she can do turns till the cows come home with the heavy hammers and not do it. She's very disciplined with it. I don't know, man, do I need to just like wait it out longer for it to transfer over? Or do you, you know, like, what are your thoughts? So uh, with that type of situation, the number one thing you got to ask is what type of time do you have? So, and when I say time, it's not, I'm not talking about how many hours a day do you have? It's what's the context of retraining? You know, is there a certain distance that she has to throw or a certain amount that she has to improve so she can get funding so she can make it to the next year or you know does she have to have a certain ranking in her federation to get you know to to be able to do what she can do so what's yeah. the what's the time context right there because to me the time influences all decisions and that's going to let you know how much you can tinker with this and right. not so that right so right. do you let it go okay. or do you really good, break good it down and, and so that, that's the number one thing you have to determine is is what are the implications if you break her down and she's in between techniques you know how long do you have to put it back together where, where she's got to start actually performing so yeah that's, that's a really question. good point and and i've been the way i've been approaching it is i've been saying okay look you know like she can do it that's the thing right yeah. she can do it she can look great and then I'll say to her, yeah, okay, so now, you know, because we do this bonder check thing. So, you know, at the end of each workout, we'll have a handful of throws where, that are going to be maximal. And I'll yeah. say, okay, just just don't think, just yeah. throw. And 
Well, she, this girl's super bright, right? Like she's so she can't shut it off. <laughs> so it's like she's the, she's got these competing worlds in her head and then she gets frustrated and, yeah. and she's actually been doing very, very well. But then, but then these two competing, uh, these two competing ideas in her head have, have clashed. And yeah. so she's, and she's, and she's, uh, she's kind of where she's struggling. The last few workouts, she's kind of been struggling, but, but she'll get through it. I know she will, but yeah, I would, but to answer your question, I would say it's not a huge issue. You know, there's, she doesn't have a lot of pressure. She's lucky. She doesn't have a lot of pressure that way. Yeah. Um, in terms of, uh, you know, funding or anything like that. So I'm not, I'm not time. I mean, yeah, I want her to throw well in the meets and she will, but I'm not, we're both willing to to work through it at yeah. this point in time. So, so so time's not it's an issue, but it's not a huge yeah. issue. So so having said that, since you you kind of have a little bit of a time criteria, the, there's there's about three or four different issues you're going to have to some varying degree depending on the person. So 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 number one with with her basically her go to move. I'm, I'm I'll, I'll give Doug uh, Reynolds credit for coining that phrase at least in my eyes because that's where I first heard it I thought it was a very handy term was her go-to move to accelerate the ball it's kind of pull her head back and as the ball is going down pull her shoulders back to kind of counter yep. it mm-hmm. but that's probably going to put her in a little bit of an exposed awkward position to come back around and then get mm-hmm. on a single support and catch again I have a thrower too that kind of um she's actually coached by Sophie Hinchin's dad so she kind of Throws a lot, Michael. Like, yeah, Michael yeah. Hitchin. Yeah. Oh wow. So, oh, yeah. so she That's throws funny. like Sophie. She's not as strong and as powerful. Right. But I was watching some video of Sophie, you know, throwing well a few years ago to kind of see where this girl is trying to be, and it's the same type of thing. And um, so, with that go-to move, however long she's been doing that, like you said, it's going to take a while for her to undo that. So. Not only does she have to learn something new, she's got to undo something that she already knows. So you got right. you got a double, I wouldn't call it a problem, but you got a double task right there. And so, and what's going to happen is is is, and again, I'm just kind of giving a general idea. Is is you're she's always going to default most likely back to her go to move mm-hmm. until you're going about eighty or ninety percent, eight out of eight out of ten to nine out of ten times throwing a different way like the way that you like her to to respond to the ball so um you know now having said that you go well she can go drill all day long right there and do it 100 percent of the time but drilling and throwing are two different things the yeah. late the late well, mike I, marley if you remember totally from, from from great yeah. britain you know he, he made a case that drills are useless now i think drills are good to teach and introduce but yep. in the hammer throw with two winds and four turns, there's a 70 meter ball path. Mm-hmm. You have to you have to entertain and work the whole 70 meters of ball path. Mm-hmm. You can't just chop it up into bits and then put it all back together in one expected to be smooth. So you do have to throw a lot. So yeah, yeah. so having said that, throwing with intent to actually throw is very different from drilling. The acceleration mm-hmm. pattern's a little bit different because you're speeding up for a release, not just mm-hmm speeding up slowly because you got a standard control so so drills to me don't take you very far you know especially if you're an advanced thrower and you're trying to change and she she learns very fast and she's trying to change a couple positions 
she'll change it just like that. The question is, can she change with tempo and the intent to throw type of intensity? That's where it's going to be messing up her, her timing right there. So you have to do lots of that. And when you do lots of that, there could be lots of mistakes, which could lo- cause lots of frustration, which goes back to how much time do you have to deal with all that yeah. in, in the learning yeah. curve. Because you don't so, want to be in a crunch and then start yeah. panicking. And start panicking and then, get caught between technique. Like you said, she's sort of caught in between techniques. She can go yeah. at, at a moderate rate and do it right. But when she goes to turn it off and just turn her head off and just throw, those old habits are yeah. going to come back until they don't. And that's going to yeah. take some time. Yeah, it's so. interesting you say that because the other morning, the first morning when it really sort of, she was really starting to struggle afterwards. I mean, she, and she gets frustrated. She actually yeah. reminds me a lot of Sophie, Yeah. right? Different, completely different personality, but very hard on herself. Like yeah. very hard on herself, right? Which I like. You know, yeah. I like that. I think I think every coach likes that to some degree, as long yeah. as you can manage it, right? And uh, I said to her, I said afterwards, I said, "Well, I said I've been wait, I've been looking forward to this day. Like I've I've been waiting for this, right?" And she was like, "Like, what do you mean?" I said, "Well, well, now you're at the point where you're actually, you know, you're actually you're actually introducing the new mechanic." But you're starting to feel that, you know, like, you know, like, you know, as a hammer coach, that the the difference between pulling on the left and actually excelling, accelerating on the right, those those aren't tw- like to change that is not a tweak in technique. That's no. a major. Ma- those are two completely different paradigms yeah. in how you throw. And so when you when an athlete tries to move from one to the other well you would always want i guess want to move from pulling to to pushing or whatever accelerating on the right then it's a totally different feeling and it's going to feel it's not like you know uh, you know it's not like uh i don't know uh, you could probably come up with a better example in the rotational shot where you know it could be you know it's it's different it's completely different and so once i saw you know once i saw that she was getting it but like really struggling with you know you know the fallout from it i said i well i've been waiting for this so this is good because you know now you're now you're getting a glimpse of what it it should feel like and you're caught between the two, right? And so we just got to work this out and wait it out, and and uh, so you know, and and that's the process that we're in. Yeah. But back, but back to the drills for a sec. I totally agree with you on that, and I've said this. Oh God, I, for those who are listening, if I've said this in the podcast, I apologize before. But you know, I I always say that the the hammer is more like the vault than it is like the other throws. In this way. The hammer and vault are the only, as far as I can tell, the only two events in athletics where not only are you applying force into something, usually the ground or an implement, but you have something putting force back into you. In the hammer, it's the pull of the ball. Yeah. You have, or, or let's say you have to negotiate another force. There's another force that you have to deal with that other athletes don't mm-hmm. usually. Uh, and in the vault, it's the it's the uncoiling of the pole. It's the return of energy to the athlete from the pole. You know, once they've once they bent it, and it starts to uncoil. So that to me has a has huge implications on drills because I agree with whoever it was you said. Uh, Mike, you Mike say, Morley. I, 
Mike. Oh, Mike Morley. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 I agree with him. I I think drills without a hammer, without an actual hammer and some kind of speed in it, are useless in the hammer. Except for what you said with a beginner, like like learning the footwork technique. You know, getting the the basic pattern down. But once you have that down and they can do, they can turn with a hammer. Do you want to stick with a hammer because? Yeah not only like like let's take turning with a stick right like not only is it useless i i shouldn't say useless not only is it is it you know not specific it's actually counterproductive because you know the way that you like you need that pull to be able to you know you need something to negotiate to be able to get into the positions that you need to in the hammer so yeah you're right no i totally agree but and you know it's funny because I'm trying to get her to do these multiple turns, and she constantly wants to throw it right. Like, and and I use I use really heavy hammers for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, like for her, she's using a nine k to do these turns with because you need to me in my mind you need the mass to be able to go. You know, because it's slower, you need so much more mass to be able to to get back against it. Otherwise you're just, it's like having a stick in your hand, yeah. right? So, you know, your weight doesn't, your weight, your balance doesn't, it, it's not proper. So anyway, so I just, I, yeah, I want to mention that. But um, yeah, so what do you think? It's just a matter of wor- of waiting it out. Yeah, I, at this I point. think, um, I mean, what you'll, you'll probably see too is, let's say, you, you, let's say just for a safe example, she got a PR of 70 meters. She could probably get to 60, 62 meters pretty fast doing something different, you know, moving in a different way, like the way you're hoping that she would move, mm-hmm. and get to 62 pretty fast, which is basically like, you know, 85% of the way. It's 85% of max speed. But then 62 to 70, that's the hard part there. When you start mm-hmm. getting closer mm-hmm. to max speed, that's where the older habits kind of tend to kick back in. Right. So right. so there it becomes a slow crawl, and then you're like, okay, 62, 63, okay, great battle. You know, we won that fight. Then 63 to 64, okay, now we're, we're moving there. So um, where earlier on you might see an easy jump in 10 meters going from 45 to 55, no problem. But as you get closer to the maximum effort and speed, it becomes tougher to hold the technique. So, right. totally. um, that, so that's where the battle's going to be. Um, right. I, I think in technique, this is, I would say this might be changing the subject a little bit, but no. just, uh, go, man. Go. is, is I just, one of the things in coaching the hammer over the years, uh, and I, I'm taking bits and pieces I've learned from different people or heard was, was the, um, you know, moving in single support to me at the highest levels, that's usually, I think, what makes or breaks the throw. Like that, that decides whether it's a really good throw or just a good throw. And what do you mean moving in single? When, when you're when you how you're moving through single support, oh, how you're moving your yeah. body position, and uh, and, you know, are you turning and balancing single support? So when you land on double support again, you're balanced. Or are you falling onto mm-hmm. um, a heavy right? Yeah, you know, you're falling yeah. onto a heavy right. It's pretty much how yeah. heavy if you're right-handed thrower. How heavy are you on the right? And I remember. Well, that's the first sign that crept in. Yeah. You know, she could, because she can't, she can't, you know, she can't, she's not negotiating. She's not, she's off balance because she's not throwing her head back. And so anyways, but go on. Sorry. So that's the, uh, you know, that's the one thing I remember in 2001, 
Um, we did a biomechanical analysis. It might even just been a video analysis with Stuart Toger, who's the the um, hammer kind of coordinator. Mm-hmm. Try to remember, may, you know what? May it, he rest in peace. May he rest in peace. And it might actually it might have been Judd, but he brought Stuart in to to do the analysis. And I remember my guy Jay Harvard, who who he threw really well that day and got second at USA's. Hmm. And and actually Stuart, who's who wasn't the most complimentary guy, he was pretty hard on everybody. Yeah, but yeah, but yeah. so you know, I think I think Lance Deal and all his years, I think he said Stuart said good job to him twice, you know, in in twenty <laughs> years. So but but really? you, you know, you expect it. So you're you know, so you were working yeah. really hard to, to get Stuart to tell you good job, but right. but Stuart was saying, Hey, you know, on three and four the guys that are throwing over 70, they're more balanced on three and four. And the guys who are stumbling through three and four, they're throwing 67, 68, you know. And obviously, like, I think Kevin McMahon was the top guy that year. You know, and Kevin's almost an 80-meter guy. He was really good on three and four. But Jay, we were, he was, we were really making some breakthroughs with him, and he was very steady on three and four. And he threw 73-17 that day to get second. Mm. And um, his all-time PR was almost 74. So that was a very good meet for him. But my, my point being is Stuart was he was really pointing out, and me and Jay had already kind of really were honing in on this, is we said, you know what? We just got to be really balanced in three and four. The technique will do the work for us. We just have to be in the right position, and the, the position will do the work for us. Instead, people are trying to, like, yank and pull and grind and spin yeah, to make totally, it go. Totally. And at that point, when you get to three and four, the hammer's weighing four or 500 pounds, you're, yeah. you're not doing anything to it. Yeah, absolutely. You know, absolutely. if you go yank on it, it's going to yeah. hold its place, and you're going to yank yourself right out of position. So yeah. you just want to stay right with it, and yeah. and kind of coax it along. So there was that. Well, then, that's throwing the hammer. Yeah, like that's throwing the hammer. Well, essentially, is yeah. when 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 everything you just described. To and me, then, anyways, and then Koji Morifushi later on. This is like 2007, 2008. You know. And nine, really talking to him and working with him. But, but we always had discussions about the hammer, and he'd give me new ideas on how he'd think about things. And he talked about anticipation. And he said, you know, when you land on double support, you already have to know what you're going to do. It's kind of like doing a box jump. You know, if you do a death jump, you don't drop and then hit the ground and then go, okay, I'm going to jump up. Before you even drop off the box, you're already – in your mind, getting ready for the rebound at the bottom. So in in the uh, hammer, he's already thinking. Can I just step in for one second? Yeah. Uh, Agna, you make note of this. This is the girl I'm coaching, right? So we we went through this, right? And uh, I call it a feed-forward mechanism, right? Same thing. Like you have to – you can't wait until you feel the ground – before you start to push, because yeah. by that time the ball is already past it's, it's past gone, the yeah. low point, it's gone. Yeah. You have to anticipate it, and I use sorry, I'm not trying to, yeah. oh, sure. but but just same thing. It's like and you know the classic example is hurdle hopping. The ones who do it well hit the ground before the ground hits them, right? And and you know yeah, the I I think I got that from Path the the idea of a of a feed forward mechanism as opposed to a feedback mechanism. But yeah. go, but uh, continue. So, sorry. But but he yeah. So he was just basically he was just saying like the anticipation of getting back on a double support and what you do in single support to get ready for that anticipation, which can be changing your body angle. You know the the little things you do 
to reposition your foot and your body to get ready to catch the ball, you know, closer to the high point mm-hmm. when it's high. Mm-hmm. And being such as did uh, he didn't did he say give anything, any examples? He didn't say anything really specifically, right? But he was just saying that when you look at the impact of the foot and when it lands before it starts, you know, uh, reacting and turning, he goes, it, it, it's, it's, it's faster than a reaction time, meaning, you know, you don't land and then figure out what to do, yes, which is yes. like, you know, yeah. 0.24 seconds. Right. The biomechanical studies that he does with the force plates and all that show that the reaction's even quicker than that. Wow. So you have to already be doing it before you're yeah. on the ground. You're, you're getting ready for the, and you're anticipating the movement, not reacting right. to the movement. So, um, so that's just a different way of looking at the technique. And I don't think a lot of people, especially when they learn the hammer, they don't think about getting ready in single support right. to react right away in double support. They're like, okay, I'm on single support. Don't fall. Okay, now I'm in double support. Now let me do something to the hammer. Yeah. That's way yeah. too late. You're, you're, yeah, you're yeah. way totally. off timing. Totally. So Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, the ball's already on the upswing by the time yeah. you've you've you, you realize what's happened, and then you wonder, you know, and then they, you know, and then you realize that you're then you're off balance. Yeah, right. So, so, so sometimes, so the question is, when you're rearranging technique, you know, where do you start the rearrangement? You know, obviously you got to have the entry, but if you enter and you do a toe turn and you're going to transition to a heel turn, one of the critical things is that transition from the toe to the heel. Totally. So you got to make sure that you're readjusting your body not to do another toe turn, but to be able to land and then transition to a you know a heel toe turn, and yeah. and you have to be thinking probably earlier than you really feel you need to. So yeah. as a coach, you kind of need to emphasize that with your athletes yeah. is don't land and then figure out what to do. It's it's got to be a, you'll be spinning your wheels because you're always miss, you're always too late. You you got to. Totally react at the right time which is before you think you need to react yeah. what where do you sit with toe versus heel turn on that i mean i i i so i don't i don't really talk to a lot of hammer coaches like i don't uh other other bonner chuck and I, I quite honestly i did not learn a lot specifically about technique from dr b i wasn't yeah. there long enough in Kamloops. it was all about the the program the methodology mm-hmm. um but you know i mean for me i just don't get why you need to do a toe turn if you can get away with not doing it i think a lot of people do the toe turn because they're just taught it right off the bat and in my experience and correct me if either I'm wrong or, or, or you disagree, speak up. But I think that like it, the bane of existence for all four, all toe turners is a transition between one and two. Yes. Right. It's, or, you know, it's, it's, it's exactly what you just described. So why do it if you don't have to? And every year with Sophie, um, I think Mark Dry, but Sultana Frizzell, I did this every year, the first PDSF or the first, long cycle we did in in the year i always had them start with a heel turn with four turns with a heel turn not because i wasn't trying to transition them into a four turn heel turner but just to learn to get back against the ball on on the entry um 
and just feel what that's like. And then in the next cycle, we would go back to the toe turn so that they would be back more because so many toe turners go so far forward on yeah. the toe. And then that makes that transition so much more difficult. I mean, Koji, I think, I, I mean, I think Koji was the greatest ever at it. I mean, his, his, his entry on the toe turn, I mean, it's not even a toe turn. It's, yeah. it's really a heel. It's a, it, it's a hybrid. It's more a heel turn than it, it is a toe it's turn. Like a, it's like a flat-footed turn. It's, it's, yes, it's a hybrid, exactly. like you said. It's Yeah, yeah. And so, you know, and, and I don't know whether that was, you would know more than I would, but I don't know whether that was by design or whether that was just something he figured out. But to me, if you don't have to do... If you don't have to do the toe turn, don't do it. Yeah. Like don't and and here's the other thing I've noticed. It's a hell of a lot easier to go from being a four turn heel turner that needs to transition to a toe turn mm -hmm. because they're not because they're just not getting, you know, they're they're crowding at the front yeah. than it is to go the other way. To yeah. to switch from a a toe turner to a he, a, a four turn <laughs> sorry, a four turn toe toe entry turner to a four turn heel turn is really hard yeah really really hard i mean yeah. would, and would you agree with that yeah yeah i'd agree it kind of goes that way it's it's one way is more yeah it's just i i just find that i mean all issues to me not all issues but many issues in a four turners technique later in the throw can you can you can just dial it right back to that transition right when they land and and being able to to get back on the heels fast enough before the ball gets to zero um you know i just find i just that's just a really hard thing to yeah to negotiate so yeah most of the be honest with you most of the throwers that i work with in the hammer they usually have some background when i get them right. so they've, they've already determined whether they're a toe or heel toe. turner and usually i don't i'm not in a situation to have the time to convert them yeah uh, totally you know yeah. if, well like i said and, and and they're probably all toe turners mostly toe yeah, turners. yeah i mean are. if 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 you have to make the switch it's almost always going to be from a toe turner to a heel turner and that is super super hard right um but going the other way is easy but you just don't see them because everyone's taught toe toe right off the mm -hmm. bat now right i mean yeah. and and so i mean i don't know if if it's like like now i'm working at a high school here and i'm i got one or two kids i'm starting starting right like never touched a hammer i mean i will i will only go to toe i mean we're talking years down the road when they start crowding the front you know yeah so yeah. you know because i just don't i just think it just messes things up so what are so like what do you look for like what are your sort of the, some of the essential essential foundational parts of the technique that you look for in an athlete like what are you trying to achieve when 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 you're trying to put to you know when you're trying to put together a good throw in an athlete no, are you I'm talking? Not sure, if I worded that right. Are you talking about the hammer now? Are, the hammer. I'm yeah, sorry. Specifically yes, the yeah, hammer. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I, t I tell you what. I mean, there's there are a lot of different ways to throw hammer, and so there's a lot of different body types, and I, I've had a lot of different body types too. Um, They've thrown really far, you know. So, mm -hmm. uh, but I'll, I'll say this. I think one of the key things that I think would transcend both male and female in any type of technique, and I'm speaking about the right-hander, is, is the left leg 
and the work of the left leg. Um, I remember Art Venegas talking about the hammer thrower's knee. He'd call it the left knee. And when that mm-hmm. ball you know, comes around through the high point, that left knee bends as they kind of hold their position against it. And being able to be balanced over the left leg on single support and not fall onto the right hard, mm-hmm. being able to have that ability uh, pretty fast. You know, uh, mm-hmm. it, 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 there might be a couple of people where it seems innate and they're born with it, but I think, you know, somebody can naturally kind of have the feel to counter the ball that way. Mm-hmm. That goes a long way. The natural thing you're going to see with beginners, of course, they're going to be holding on to the hammer is you wind the hammer and the hammer pulls on you. You tend to pull right back with the hands and shoulders. Right. And right. that's... Yeah. And you really want to pull back by bending the left knee to lower your center right. mass. So right. the ball goes up, your center mass goes down. Koji does that so well. He's probably right. the, be- right. the best you see at it. Ball goes yeah. up, he goes down. Yeah. Um, it's interesting. There's a biomechanical article that Koji published. And I, I, I use the basic results from it when I'm doing my um, coaching education diagrams and stuff. And what he did was, it was a very simple study, and he took a 50-meter thrower, a 60-meter thrower, and an 80-meter thrower in Japan. So you can guess who the 80-meter thrower was, of right, course. Right, right, <laughs> and, and what he did is, you, you, he, the, there's a diagram of a circle, which is the ball path, okay? And, and so if you're looking from the top, looking down at the circle or the, ball, or the orbit, he put spots in there where the... Hammer was at its highest, and then the athlete's center of mass was lowest. And then when the okay. athlete's center of mass was highest and the hammer was lowest, so the low point was low, okay? okay? And with the 50-meter thrower, when the hammer is high, the center of mass is high. When the, right. when the ball was low, the center of mass was low. So you can just imagine what that looks like. And, mm-hmm. you, and, you, and, you, and I think about it and look at it in my head, and I think of like somebody doing hammer turns for the first time. When the hammer's low, you're looking down at the ball, when it rises up, you rise up with it. When it comes down, you come crashing down with it. And you rise up, you go up with it. So the hammer's pulling you up, smashing you down, pulling you up, smashing you down. The 80-meter hammer thrower, when the ball is high, the center of mass is low, 180 yeah. degrees apart. When the ball is low, the hammer's high. And the 60-meter thrower, of course, is halfway in between. Halfway, yeah. And yeah, so yeah. you look at it and go, wow, this is a nice basic diagram to show you. I, I think it's outstanding because I think one of the key things that in coaching and this goes for any of the the uh, any of the coaching events or throwing events is um, you know we all go to clinics and we all kind of learn the, the technique and the latest techniques and this and that and then we go try to teach them to our kids and you come in and you try to tell them okay you want to do this 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 a b c and d but the thing is is your kids already they're not doing a b c and d they're doing D, F, Q, and Z instead. So when you tell them A, B, C, D, that ain't going to happen. You have to actually undo Q, Z, Y, W, and then get to A, B, C, and D. And when I used to do my high school coaches clinic way back when, one of the coaches, when I, I, I give all the teaching progressions, I had Reese Hoffman demonstrate them and do them perfectly. And I was thinking, man, this is great because they're learning all the sequences and Reese is doing it perfectly. So they, they'll know exactly what to do. And the one coach goes, Coach, you're showing us what we want to do, but why don't you show us now what we're going to see? I'm like, oh, 
Yeah, that's right. Yeah. That is part yeah, of the battle is, is, yeah, yeah. is it, you can't just tell them what to do and they're going to do it perfectly. You're yeah. probably going to see some really crazy stuff. Yeah. And so yeah. having said that, you know, you have to understand what you're probably going to see and you already have to have your cues ready to combat that really off part of the technique. So right. going back right. to Koji's study, he showed you what you're going to see with a lower level thrower and you can, then you also see a mid-range thrower and then how the technique slowly changes to be more efficient like the real world-class thrower. So mm-hmm. I thought that was a really kind of cool way for the hammer thrower. Totally. I, I'd never seen anybody explain it that way before. Yeah. Um, I, I I would love to read that. Can you can you uh Yeah, uh, can you let me know where to find that? Yeah, it, it was like in the International Journal of Biomechanics or something like that. Okay. Um okay, I have cool. a I probably got a copy Save I'll, someplace I'll dig it in my file. I can email it to you. Cool. But sure. um, if you, if you uh, just Google up Koji's name, you'll probably right. see about seven or eight biomechanical articles, and, and it'll be one. It's from like 2007 or 2008, I think. Hmm. I've actually never, I've never, I wouldn't say I've never met Koji. I've met him. The first time I met him was at that big clinic Bonnerchuk did in uh, Chambate. Is it Chambate? Zambate. Zambate. Yeah. In, in Hungary. Um, and I, just said hi and that was when he was first becoming huge yeah it's 2003 yep and um um he was at loughborough uh once maybe twice with sean sean brought him out or i forget but i remember um so i just from working with mark and sophie and other athletes but really that those four years in loughborough when i was working with them i was uh you know, I mean, it was, I was really deep into it and because it was the only, really the only event I was coaching. I dabbled in some of the other events, but yeah. I didn't have time to do anything else. And so I really, really got into it. And, uh, I started to, I started to change my position in terms of where I was viewing yeah. the, the hammer. And I started watching from the side and we had this, the, there was this, uh, you know, Sophie, um, you know, I'm, I'm a catch guy. Like yeah. I, I, I believe catches are important, um, to a point, you know, I like, I, you know, I think that's the best way, you know, in, in, in terms of, uh, maximizing your time and double support. And I started looking from the, from the side because Sophie had an issue at one point where she was, she, I mean, she was always had pretty good catches. She started to lose them and it was, you know, for about two weeks, you know, all, it was just it was exactly the thing, the thing that this girl I'm working with now is going through where she was like, you know, ah. and then, she, you know, I, one day I said to her, look, you know, just, uh, just throw and feel right. And then just, just, just throw and feel and try to, you know, just try to listen to your body. Right. Cause we tried to cure out of it and it wasn't, you know, wasn't working. And she took a few throws and then all of a sudden, boom it came back right like in one throw and she was like she looked at me and i looked at her and it was like you know and i said okay now what what did you do right and she goes she looked at me and she thought for a sec and she goes i just sat back and i said oh okay well you learned something right like we both learned something right so so i learned to start looking from the side and then i started to do all this research and digging up videos where i from that from the uh the what, what would be the right side of the circle so the side the ball is pointing at you when yeah. they're in single support right and i started to dig up videos where 
where the film is right on the line. Okay. Mm -hmm. So no, because the angle is, I found over time that that, that angle, the perspective is very important. And I started to notice, started to put some things together. Right. And I started to notice that it was, uh, you know, there were certain things that the top throwers were doing that other throwers weren't doing. And this is along the lines of what Ko Koji's talking about. And Koji shows up there one day. And and I'm thinking, you know, like like every, from that point on, every time I go to a meet, I would try to get my camera along, you know, on the side and video from the side so I could get more data, more and more video to compare right because i was you know because you just can't find it anywhere there's yeah. very few of it right so <clears throat> i filmed koji right from the side he was he was doing a training session and and um when i forget he was throwing i think an 8k or something like that and he was you know using sweats and he was you know they were hard throws but they weren't balls out or anything but still when you put the ball at the low point and this is the same for any accomplished thrower okay when the ball is at the low point uh maybe not so much in turn one of course but by t for sh getting into two and for sure three and four it, this was koji on his after his first touchdown going into two he is almost standing straight up like that ball yeah. is like he is like you know, it goes yeah. back to what you were saying when the ball. So, so my reference point is always the low point. If the low, if the low point, if they're not starting way over to the right, which is kind of the trend these days, but, yeah. but, but Koji wasn't really doing that. And so this low point was more, uh, it's more like off his, off his right foot. And he's, and there's a couple things that you will see that, that you will see for any accomplished story. Number one is, by the time the ball gets to zero, they the ball of their left foot is going to be off the ground. Like they're well onto their heels, right? The other thing is their their shin, okay? So their left shin, or you could say even their knee, yeah, their left shin is going to be vertical, if not even back more. It depends on the turn, right? Yeah. It depends, but but at the minimum, even on the even entering two that their kneecap will be well back from the from the toe of their of their left foot. So if you dropped a plumb line from their kneecap, it's really going to be well back from their toe, from yeah. their toe. It's not out in front whereas if you look at a beginning thrower or someone who hasn't learned how to counter, do exactly what Koji's talking about it sounds like in this article, mm -hmm. right? Then though then they are going to be they're going to be their knees are going to be way out over their toes, yeah. right? And so I started, you know, and then of course, you know, the, the, the knee and hip angles are, you know, well extended at the low point. But the other thing that's really interesting is if you line up, if you line up, if you take a line through their shoulders, through the ball. Okay. So, you know, the line of pull that the hammer mm -hmm. is doing and their, and their left quad they're the better they are the more parallel that those two lines are which makes yeah. perfect biomechanical sense yeah. but it's it's not something i have ever heard anybody talk about it's not something i've ever heard anybody cue or oh, well, i don't know if you would ever cue that but to me that's all about getting back right and all of that starts right 
at the point where that Koji's talking about because that all starts on the on the previous touchdown. So when the so so the athlete has to hit the hit the ground moving basically, yeah. like 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 you said, because if they don't, what happens is they get pulled onto their toes. It's like if you when an athlete doesn't use the right leg effectively or doesn't hit the you know whatever the whatever the hell the phrase was that you said uh um anticipation anticipate yeah and i call it feed forward whatever if they don't do that then if you frame forward to the to the following low point it looks like they are it it looks like the hammer wire is like part of some uh, you know there's like a winch in the ground that is pulling them towards the low point yeah. and they're and they're just buckling under the yeah. force and their knees are bending and everything and and to me all of that starts exactly what he what you you said there's that the anticipation if you can't get that you you are not going to get back because and I've you know I've cuz you can cue them to get back until the cows come home but if they haven't started it early enough, they're not going to like they started it early enough on the downswing is what I'm saying. Right. Like if, like, again, if they wait until they feel the ground, it's too late. So is that, you know, and then is, is that something that, you know, I mean, does that make sense to you? I, it, it totally does where, where I'm at with the event right now, where I see me coaching it is, you're right to be able to get to be in the right position as you bring the ball back down through zero. Mm-hmm. You have to have landed and anticipated properly so you can start your you know movement mm-hmm. to hit that right position. But to be able to land in the right position, you have had to navigate through single support single support properly yeah, and, yes exactly and so, well that's a yin and yang it, of the hammer right so so then to navigate through single support properly you have to you enter have to have into <laughs> so you have so it's all the it's wi- chicken and egg so so it's it's the wine and the start for me it's just yeah, it's, it's, exactly. it's the wine, and then i go you know for what sure. it's the wine and the start the rotational shot yeah. and yeah. in the discus it's just it's uh yeah, it's it's all the wine and the start. There, we I, I I barely even talk about three and four anymore yeah. because and, and really when you think about I it, totally agree. It, it, yeah. The hammer weighs so much at that point right now. You can't. Yeah, really what can do, you do? Anything? You can't yeah. really be active. It's, it's yeah. funny when I go to yeah. a meet and I hear the coach go, "Man, you just missed it. You just got to lift the hammer a little bit more, and it'll be a good throw." Yeah. I'm like. There's no lifting going on. That thing weighs 800 pounds. Well, yeah, yeah, totally. On, on an 80 meter throw, it's going to weigh about 800 pounds. But is uh, that? Yeah, it's about 300 k, three to three to 400 k, right? Yeah, 50 k or like something. An, an yeah, eight, I yeah. remember because they measured it with the, uh, the those hammers with the handles, yeah. and and I'm sure there's other ways that they've measured it. Yeah, yeah. No, no, for sure. I, I you know, it's funny because you know I ha- haven't really coached for a few years. The last real hammer throwers I coached was. Sultana mm-hmm. and Heather. And so, you know, a lot of this is kind of coming back to me over time. And you, you, it, everything you just said is so true because I found with this new girl that, you know, everything you're right. I'm, I'm, I'm re you know, I'm all these concepts coming back to me. And then, but we always end up at, at the start, right? It's always, it's always the entry and, and, you know, um, 
and 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 even you know it's it's the wines because it has to it's the second wine in particular because you have to have she you know i've i've moved her to to three turns just to yeah. just as a point of learning for now whether she goes back to four i'm not a four she'll never be a four four turn heel turner so if she goes back to four it's going to have to be a toe turn um, but you know, I, I've done the same thing with her. I did with Sophie and, and Sultana, which is, you know, the first cycle is get them on their heels so they can feel that, right. Feel that getting back right away. And then, then we can go, we can add it back in later if we're going to, but on a three turn heel, man, you got to have that ball moving. Like that, that yeah. second wine has got to be hauling well, ass because, you, you know, yeah. you can look at the biomechanical studies and the entry speed, this is for people in the, the world championship final, but the entry speed is about two meters per second faster for a three turner than a four turner. Right, right. So, yeah. And, yeah. and, and, and it's like, and it's like yeah. what, like 50 or 60% of the overall speed is already built up, right? It's already, yeah, it's, it's, it's 50. The is Germans, it 50? Yeah. it's 50 yeah. for almost everybody. Yeah. The Germans, it's almost 60. Really? And now think about it. the Germans all do three and four wines, so you have more. Even uh, if you're not getting okay. on the wind, just right. by doing more wines, you're going to add more speed. Yeah. And I saw that in the biomechanical studies. I'm like, wow. I go, Klaus and um, and Betty Heidler are definitive. They're definitely faster than everybody else. You know, hmm. at the start of the throw, and then in the biomechanical studies, they barely add anything in the middle yeah, turns three and four and yeah. then in the finish they have this huge acceleration huge finish, to finish. right right yeah. so i'm like wow this is big entry spin and do nothing big finish yeah. so i go back and I, I i find the video of of heidler throwing like the world record i look at it and it's like wow i did look at it this way before but then when i saw the numbers and the charts you just see Winds intense, and then she just spins around and does a whole lot of nothing, and there's a big yank at the end. And it's yeah. like, wow, interesting. It, it's just a different. Yeah. It, it works, you know. And mm -hmm. the guys, uh, Marcus Esser, their top guy at the time, did the exact same thing too. So, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. How do you feel about that though? Like in terms of the dis the distribution of the rhythm. I mean, I to me, I mean, I mean, I just think it should be progressive, right? It should yeah. should be as as I mean. You know, I mean, not that, not that I'm ever going to measure it in workout, but any decent, you know, any any hammer coach with a decent eye can see it. So, are you, are you know, like, what do you think about that? You know, I I just think it it depends on the situation and the athlete, which I know is like a catch-all phrase for every everything. It it all mm -hmm. depends. Mm -hmm. But then yeah, again, yeah, for sure. I, I guess you you read all these articles about experts and. A real expert says it all depends every single time. Right. Yeah, yeah, nothing's I, well, for sure. It does. Yeah, it absolutely so, does. I mean, so I'll, I'll give a couple of examples. It, it, it just depends again. I say on the situation. Christian Parsh, who was training when Andres was back in Europe, he trained with Christian Parsh in Zambalte, and they go to the World Championships in 2009. So I'm there, and, and me and Jolt and with Christian and Hocklets were all together throwing, and. Christian's uh, doing one wind and entering and throwing. Just one wind. And I'm like, hmm, hmm I wonder why Jolt's having him do that. Like, this is unusual. One wind. Like, who, who does one wind? I see three. I see four. Mm -hmm. Two is mm -hmm. most I've common. I've never seen one. Yeah. But he's doing one. I go, I, I wonder what he's doing here. But then we go to the competition. He's doing one wind. And he finished fifth place. 
And I looked at the biomechanical studies afterward, and of course he had the slowest entry of everybody, but he got moving pretty fast. But the championships before, the meets before, two wines. The meets after, two wines. So the next world championship in 2011 in Daegu, if you remember, he missed beat, you know, Koji won and beat him by like four centimeters. He was doing two wines then. Right. So, but what I'm just saying is, is, you know, he was doing one wine, then he's doing two wines. Why switch? They must've just had something where he's going too fast or out of control with two wines. And they said, you know what? We got a championship coming up. We probably got to do one wine and here we go. So it was, it was an act of desperation. It it could have been and and that, that could explain things sometimes. So, um, it, it, it just depends. I have other throwers that man, they, they get the ball where they need it to be with four wines, but they cannot for the life of them get it in two. So, see, I use four wines and then, then maybe after a while, then it's three and then they get it after two I prefer using two because the simpler, the better to me, Yeah, totally. you, you know, yeah. so, so, but if you need to do four or five wines to get what you need, then go ahead by all means and do it. I'll yeah. tell you a funny story just with technique and stuff. And, is, and this is with the Sultana, you know, was Sultana, if you remember, she, Boris Zychuk, you know, developed her. So, right. And, and, and then she was with you for a while. And then she came and, and trained with me at Georgia for a couple of years before she went to Kamloops. And so when she came to me, she had thrown 55-85. And she had a pretty unique, I mean, the way she, she held the hammer, she, she twisted the hand 90 degrees, and she threw, which caused a natural drag. She would, when she lined up the hammer, it wasn't directly in front of her. It was back 45 degrees. On really? purpose. Yeah, on purpose. It was locked in back there. And so, okay. wow. so I I, I'm looking at that and then I look at the turn, I look at her footwork, I look at her drills and it's like left foot turns way ahead. Then she sweeps the right foot around like the discus and steps in. This is like old, it's like Bunderchuck throwing when he was throwing, right, right, you right. know, when, when that was, when the that technique. was the thing. So, yeah. so as I check first guy over 80 meters is her coach and I'm looking at that and I'm like, you know, I know enough not to mess with this too much. So I already know with Adam Nelson, like it was very unorthodox, but it worked, you know, mm-hmm. it was a secret weapon. So I'm not going to mess with it. So I just, I just made sure I kept her centered and got her stronger and more fit. And she went to 63 meters the first year and then 60, mm-hmm. almost 60, 66, 42 the next year. Oh, wow. So she made really good progress. She's, she was on her way to 70 by her third year with me. Mm-hmm. Um, and then some stuff happened. She had to leave, but, uh, um, Going back to her technique, I remember seeing this technique, and I'm like, where is this coming from? What? And I was peppering her with questions, like, what's Boris? Why do you do this? Why does he have you do this? She's like, I, I don't know. So I find some Boris Zychuk video, and right when I see it, I'm like, aha, she throws like Boris Zychuk. Okay. So, wow. So that makes so sense. So what was it? What was that? That's what he did? Yeah, that's what he did. Uh-huh. And so yeah, she, she he th- was sort of in that mid 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 era he he had a hybrid technique he was halfway yeah. to he was halfway to lifting off but he wasn't as like dragging and tight is is uh is is butterchuck was right. he was fairly fluid like he's fluid turning against the ground like lifting off but he had that built-in drag but it was a smooth drag whereas Right. Butterchuck looked like he didn't know any better. <laughs> whereas, oh, yeah, yeah. whereas, uh, well, he didn't. 
where 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 is uh, where looked like he he was intentionally trying yeah. to get this real long. He looked like Vizzoni, like a real long intentional right, drag. Right, right. So I'm still going. I go Sultana. You know, when you go back home this summer after the first year, can you ask Boris? why you do this and i wrote it down and i told her three or four different things and he and so uh um he goes uh and so she comes back and her first day back the next year she comes in my office and sits down i said well what did boris say and she goes here and she gave me some videos she said boris said he wants me to look like these throwers i'm like oh okay let's see Pop it in, it's Sadiq and Lipinoff. <laughs> and I sit there, I start laughing. And I'm wow. like, I go, you're supposed to look like these guys. You're trying to do this. She's like, yes. I'm like, you're not even at all. Yeah. So yeah, I said, yeah. so I said, I, you seem to throw like Boris. I found some video of Boris. So I don't know. Can you still ask him what he's trying? I can see what he's trying to do, but like verbally, can you tell me? Because that will help me with your techniques. I'm not going to change this because it's working pretty good. You, mm-hmm. you know, she improved eight meters that first year, and it was obvious she she looked like she's going to improve a lot the next year. So, which she did. So, she comes back at winter time, and she goes here. Here's another video, and it was a hammer clinic at York University, and Jennifer Joyce is there, and she was the top Canadian women's thrower at the time. And Jen's very straightforward, you know, triangle looks like Sadiq, you right. know. Just very classic modern hammer technique. <laughs> and Boris is sitting there coaching her. And he's like, no. He takes the hammer and like gives her a big drag. And then then and then when she steps and kind of, you know, foot forward posture and steps in early on, on single support. Yeah. He's like, No, no, no. You gotta sweep the leg around so you land almost to kind of stick your butt out and both toes are facing towards zero when you land. The the right foot's not facing towards the hammer. It's it's yeah. facing ninety degrees ahead of the hammer, so yeah, it's just yeah, yeah. it's just so he's basically just trying to like get her to drag completely. So it was so funny because yeah. Sultana said, "You want he wants me to look like Sadiq," and then he's coaching mm-hmm. Jennifer, who looks like Sadiq, to look like him. So it was just like, well, you know what? Yeah, I just I mean, it was it was just funny. I wasn't trying to like. Yeah. critique anybody it was just so funny about like what yeah the lines of communication were so you know i think you know i think that's kind of a russian thing you know i think it's just the way that they you know they they definitely think differently i can tell you that and yeah. i know um i mean watching watching dr b coach okay <laughs> now, this is a rabbit hole that we could go down for days yeah. but we, and and we won't but he um you know, like he's, you know, the famous, you know, the, you know, the perception everybody has, and it's not far off the truth is, you know, he'll sit there and tell an athlete to push yeah, for two years. Like that's all he'll say, yeah. right? Push, not push, push, not push, push. And, and you would think, you know, I mean, I, I, I there's so much I could say here. I mean, he, he, you know, do, Dr. B is not, a great coach the way that we think of coaching in North America. Okay. Yeah. Let's put it that way. He is what he is. And he said this to me, he said, daddy, I scientist, I scientist, I not coach, you know, he's, I, I guess, you know, he is not, he's not a teacher. 
the way that we teach, yeah. right? Yeah. He is very straightforward and he's very cut and dry. And so he'll say, you know, push. And he, you know, and if you go back and you watch um, some of those clinics that are online of Sadiq talking, yeah. you know, and going through his, you know, he has this great presentation where he, you know, but, but he really, you know, it's, he, if you look at it, he struggles to come up with, to fill 45 minutes yeah. of how to explain the hammer. Right. Yeah. And you would think the guy could talk for days. Like Koji could talk for days about yeah. how, about hammer technique. Right. Yeah. But not Sadiq. And it's not an English thing. Right. What it is, is they just see it so simply. And, and in those presentations, you'll see Sadiq, he'll say, I was just watching one the other night and he, he, he he'll say, you know, he, he gets frustrated uh, with sometimes with, with questions that come at him. And, you know, he'll say, look, if you just, if you just accelerate on the right side, it'll clean up everything else. You don't yeah. got to worry about all that other stuff. It'll look after yeah. itself. Right. And, and I remember in, uh, Shambolte, is that how I pronounce it? Zambolte. Zambolte. Yeah. In, in Zambolte, I forget who it was, but remember there's a bunch of Americans went over there. I don't yeah. know if, I don't think you were there, but no, where, where I, were you? No, was I right wasn't. After, okay. I had, a, I had another commitment. Um, I wanted to go, but my schedule. Oh, it was unbelievable. It, yeah. it was, it was so great. Cause it was also the, the world athletics the final, final for the handle. Yeah. 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 And anyway, so, so, uh, so Sadiq is, uh, he's in this clinic and we're all around the, uh, we're all around the cage and he's going through this and he's, and then comes question time. And some of the Americans were, um, I don't know who it was. It wasn't Judd. It, like it wasn't, it wasn't, uh, I think Judd Logan was there. Anyways, I know it wasn't him because he was beside me, but anyways, it doesn't matter who it was, but one of them starts asking him this question and he's getting kind of relentless, right? About he's trying, he's trying to ask Sadiq some question about how he, I don't know what it was. And at one point he stops and he looks at him and he gets frustrated and he goes, look, he goes, I just never thought of it that way. He goes, all I ever thought was, and he takes his hand and he, and he just goes like, you know, the action of the hammer on the right yeah. side. He goes, that's all I ever thought. Like what, you know, like what more do you want from me? And I remember once sitting with Dr. B and, and again, apologies to people who've heard me talk about this with Stu on the podcast, but, uh, you know, and I watched Dr. B, man. I mean, you know, that first year that, that he was there, which was my last year there, I, I remember he was just the same thing over push, push. And I was, and I turned to him one day and I said, really? I go, Dr. B is, yeah, that's it. Like just push all the time. And he goes, and he turns to me and in perfect English, <laughs> he says to me, Derek, he goes, the body will find its way like this. Right. And I yeah. go, Oh, I go, okay. You know, like, and, and, you know, and, and over the years I've learned, you know, there's a lot to that. Right. I mean, you know, I still over coaches. I'm way better than I used to be, but, but, you know, but still, I mean, I, you know, with this girl I'm working with now, you know, I'm, we've deconstructed everything, you know, just because I feel if I don't now, if I don't now, it's going to be too late later. Right. But, um, but yeah, I mean, it really can sometimes come down just to that. Like if you, if you accelerate the ball properly, uh, it does clean up most things. I think, you know, now, I mean, I wouldn't leave, I wouldn't do what Dr. B does it, leave it just to that. And I, yeah. I you know, I, I, you know, anyways, I mean, like I, I said, that's a rabbit hole that we could go down, but you know, I've been to obviously international clinics for years and years and years now, you know, going on 30 mm -hmm. years. And 
just the experience and I've been around long enough where I've 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 seen Sadiq talk and talk to Yuri on and off over over 25 26 years now so I can't believe Sadiq talked to who no no to me I I mean having conversations I thought when I see him around the world wherever we're at you know we'll we'll, we're, we're friends and we'll catch up and but I always I, I see what how he says things and what he used to say in '96 might be a little bit different than 2001, which is a little bit different than 2006. Right. Not to say that he's changing his mind; he's just articulating it a little bit differently. But I remember everything he said because I'm always trying to learn mm-hmm. from him. But I know being around in a non-English environment a lot that um, you know things translate a little bit differently. So mm-hmm. and. And, and so I think what people get caught up with, especially with the Russians, is you know, um, their sayings when they say something in English, they're, they're, they're saying something what they truly believe, but the way it comes out, they might leave a little bit of a, they might say you know, push to 180 and push through 180. That one word change completely changes the context. And so what might not seem like a big deal turns into especially... Uh, with Americans and, and Brits and and all of you know, Australians, totally. man, we'll, totally. we'll jump we, all over that and just overanalyze that. We hang off every yeah. word, yeah, and, no, and we no. get tripped up by that. And so, I totally for, agree. for example, I uh, I remember listening to Sadiq talk about you know, taking the ball and pushing it to and past ninety. Okay, yeah, me and, too. And so yeah. to push it past ninety, yeah. and so. I went, so I remember hearing that, and then I was, I did a, 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 taught a course in Argentina, and Yuri was there the year before, and he did a big, uh, a big course, and they, they translated the notes in the clinic, it was in English and Spanish, and they gave me a copy of it, so I was reading it on the flight home, and he's talking about pushing the ball past 90, and like almost to push it to 120, mm-hmm. okay, and I'm like, I'm reading, that's what it says in English, and I'm like, yeah. Well, I go, I go, I know here's the problem is that's what he's thinking. He's thinking to yeah, push it's it. It's a cue. To, it's a cue yeah. to push to 120. Yeah. But I yeah. see all these people reading it yeah. and leaving their right foot down because he can't push on single support. Yeah. So, so when yeah. you push to 120, it means keep both feet in the ground to 120. And yeah. we can all agree yeah. Sadiq on the first turn probably picks up Not even, even before. Close. To yeah. ninety, and then by yeah. on the third yeah. turn, he's up at well, forty or thirty. So, yeah. so what he's saying is, is what it is. It's, it's an overcue, yeah. but he doesn't say, "Look, I'm overcuing this." He just says, "You know, push to one twenty." Yeah, and, yeah. And, and, well, he did. He did the same thing with the right foot at at that clinic in yeah. in. Uh, in Schumbelte. yeah, he uh, he, you know, like he he's he's going through the mechanic and he talks about where he's talking about okay on touchdown where to praise the right foot, yeah. And he, di- I mean, you you, it's all on YouTube, man. You go back and look at. It. He distinctly says, you pu- you want to put it down to zero, back yeah. to zero, like yeah. po- so when the right foot lands, it's pointing to the back of the it, circle. There is not a throw. You, no. He never did. It, he wasn't even close to doing that. He's in his saying throws. he's he's thinking in his head to try to do that, right. but actually giving right. something else. So yeah, I, I picked up pretty quickly in the late '90s that this was the disconnect. But and it's not just with Yuri; it's with all, all with a lot of other throwers too, or coaches. Is you have to really sit there and pay attention. And, uh, you know, Stuart Toger always talked about pushing the ball to 180. You can't push the ball to 180. 
Mm-hmm. But he's thinking about pushing the ball to one. Right. Like think to push to one eighty. So, um, but uh, it, so you just have to kind of be careful and sort the cues yeah. out and really think about it. So, well, it's um, even worse in the text. I mean, I yeah. I know I know uh, in writing that book with Doctor B that became the framework for the course was uh, yeah. Oh my God, that was. It was. I won't go through the story here if I haven't told you because I, I've yeah. told it before. Oh my God, it was it was unbelievable, man. It was it was so frustrating, but it was very productive. But one thing I came out of that understanding or realizing, um, and then seeing later in some of the translations, like some of the ones that Yesis did, and some of the uh, not so much the other ones from from Ultimate Athlete, but in some of the translations that. Bondertrek is done from Russian to English. Opposites get turned around, okay? Like for and not just not just off, a hundred and eighty degrees wrong. Yeah. Right. Like like it's always a complete opposite. Yeah. Yeah. And and I found this when when I was writing with him because he couldn't speak much English and I and I couldn't speak any Russian. Yeah. But whenever we would argue, which was pretty much every sentence or every second sentence that was written, I mean, it took yeah. forever. It was always about an opposite. It was always I I would be look, Doctor B. I know what you're trying to say, but this is this is how you say it, right? This is it in English. And and he go no no no, and he get all mad. And then and then <laughs> and then after 20 minutes of arguing. He would look, and I would, I would, I realized that I had to show him. It was, you know, in his mind, he was turning yeah. it right around, and then he'd go, "Oh, yes, okay." And he would, <laughs> you know, all of a sudden, it made sense to him, right? And yeah. I realized through that is like, yeah, there's something, something about that translation that opposites get screwed up. I don't know what it is. Maybe somebody who's an expert in it could could knows, but it was just really weird. So you 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 have to be careful with that in some of the in some of the translations, man. I mean, I've I've seen I've read some of the stuff that was translated, and I'm just like looking at it going, and I know for a fact that it is wrong. Like yeah. it's completely a hundred degree. And Doctor B would never write anything that he did not know to be a fact. Like he would never bullshit. Let's put yeah. it that way. He would never. I mean, he's just yeah. he's takes so much pride in his yeah. writings. And, yeah, he's, you know yeah. so. But anyway, so, 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 you know, so, uh, you know, is there more here to talk about in terms of the, in terms of the mechanic? Like what else are you, you know, like what else is important to you? I would, I would just, I mean, we're kind of talking about coaching a little bit here and just articulating things is it's interesting. And I do this with myself too, especially since I've been working on my PhD and really getting, you know, doing interviews and picking apart stuff is, when I hear people coach and talk, if you were to actually translate or write down what they said, a lot of times it doesn't make sense. It's almost like this code you're using. You know, it's not. <laughs> it, it's not like full sentences that. Uh, oh, you've been to my workouts before. So, <laughs> but you know, I mean, and if everybody knows the code, then you're all on the same page. Yeah, but yeah, uh, yeah. like I said, with you know, if you go to a clinic to somebody you haven't heard before and you don't know their code. You can misinterpret yeah, some stuff, totally. so so it does make sense to ask a lot of questions. So, and I get a lot of coaches come to me. It's kind of nice every meet. Some coach would come to me and go, "Okay, tell me your thoughts on the javelin or, or the shot. What do you think about the entry?" And it's like, okay, it's basically an open-ended question. They want a couple paragraphs. Right, right. That's right. probably a good way to do it because 
I'll have to lay down some context as opposed to giving me a long question and it's like a yes or no answer they're expecting because you know right. there's no there's hard there's not that many yes or no answers and right. in coaching right. you know there's different degrees of context so it's um, like asking a history question like how yeah, did you yeah. know like how did the U.S. Civil War start you know or how did World War One start well Stu and I had this conversation there's context right like you could go on for days about it so. yeah so so I think it's, it's important with when we're talking about coaching and stuff uh, to do that but I think with the, the last thing I'd say with the hammer is is the one nice thing with the hammer is I think it's more conducive than the other events to throw in different balls, you know, different weights and different lengths. And so when you're working on a concept, different athletes are going to throw different balls better or worse. And then depending on the concept, it might yet again change which ball they throw better or worse. So you can kind of figure out, um, you know, match an athlete with a ball. If you're working on, uh, you know, a certain tempo, they might, hit their tempo a lot more uh, consistently with like a heavy hammer than a light hammer, for example. Right. So, right. Um, right. You, you know, it's, I, I do think you need to be mindful. I think coaches in general need to be mindful of a few things. Uh, I think in general, like when you're throwing the hammer, just like with any heavy implement, you, you start it faster than the regular implement. And the light implement, you start slower than the regular implement. So, you know, you're throwing a 9K, you'd be pretty aggressive on the winds. Mm -hmm, so, mm -hmm. so for example... Well, well, yeah. Hold on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Give me an example. So, so for example, we're talking about percentage of the final release speed. You know, right. normally it's around after the winds and you're entering into the first turn, normally have about 50%. Right. So if you have an athlete with a standard implement that has about 50%, when they go to throw the 9K, for example, they're probably going to have to start it 55 or 60 percent of their final yeah. release speed you yeah, start so you're harder not, and you don't accelerate as much with the right. lighter implements you start with about 40 percent of your final release speed and you accelerate right. a lot more so the rhythmic buildup and the rate of acceleration is going to be different for the different hammers so it's not just so when you look right. at the timing it's not like ooh, this is heavier the timing's different per se it's Meaning when you go into the work phase or when you catch and you go to accelerate, it's going to be harder. It's like, no, no, everything is different. Even the start yeah. is different. It's no, kind of no. like doing the non-reverse discus and the reverse discus is your, your starting speed in general is going to be a little bit slower with the non-reverse. It's a steady, gradual buildup, whereas the jump reverse is you build up, you get faster, you get slow, and then you speed up again. So it's like an up, down, up, whereas the non-reverse is just steadily getting faster. So, hmm. so I think these things, this is where I, we, I mentioned those biomechanical studies. Mm -hmm. It's good to kind of read through those and understand at least some of these basic differences. Cause when you mm -hmm. sit there wondering why your athlete can non-reverse so well, but they can't reverse that well after doing the non-reverse so well, it's like, well, cause they have a non-reverse rhythm, not a reverse rhythm. They're two mm -hmm. different things. Mm -hmm. Some mm -hmm. athletes can go interchange them. No problem, but others can't. So. Right, right. You, 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 and Sean wrote uh, wrote the 2017 yeah and the, uh, analysis and the 18 for indoor the, yeah for the oh, and, oh and yeah. the 18 indoor yeah okay, we did good. the coach's perspective like kind of right right did did, yeah. did you do it for all four throws? Uh, Mick Hill did the javelin. Me and oh, Sean okay. did the, the hammer shot discus, and Mick Hill did the javelin. So. Okay, that was really well done. Actually, so. I was reading that today. Actually, just uh, getting ready for this, but. Uh, 
Yeah, no, it was good. There's some good information. Uh, go ahead. Sorry. So, so you know, I was just gonna say we, we just there's a lot of numbers there. So our our job was to try to like explain, make sense of them, yeah. sense of them a little bit. This is kind of which is not you're... easy, not easy no, in the hammer. No. Like so. Yeah. Yeah. So it was, uh, it was, it was interesting. But I think some of that stuff that we made sense of, we already kind of covered earlier on too. I didn't mention the article, but um, it's uh, you, you know if, if you read enough of that stuff. You can kind of figure this out on your own. You just start looking yep. at correlations and, and trends yep. and go, okay, this you makes sense. You uh, can reverse engineer it almost. Yeah. 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 So, um, uh, so can, I, can I just ask you, you know, I, I, I don't want to take up too much of your time. Sure. It's late. It's getting, oh my God, it's it's almost 11 p.m. at you. Yeah. It's, it's, sorry. So uh, this has been great. Thank you. Um, and I, and I want to, I'm going to want to do more of this, but I'm going to sure. have to get the equipment. Uh, I'm going to do Dan pretty soon. Yeah. And yeah. I, I, and he's got a short time frame, so I'm going to get that out to Texas, but I definitely want to go back and I'd like sure. to do this in the shot and disc. Yeah. Sure. You thing. know? Yeah. Um, uh, so one last, while I got you here, I have to ask you, you know, what, what insights can you give us about Koji and his and his technique like what like what i i know we've talked about it and i know that that you know you talked about the article you wrote in that but is there is there anything else that you that you'd want to share about that like i mean you know um you know training anything because i mean to me that guy's a bit of a mystery because uh i just um well i shouldn't say mystery it's just i find him very intriguing like, because he was so exceptional in what he did. and Well, basically, what he's kind of, he's very interesting because it's very academic at heart. You know, and he's got a PhD in biomechanics. But right. he's a guy that's, um, he's a guy that's has the resources. He's pretty much traveled all over the world. And he's thrown with the Russians. He's thrown with the Belarusians. He's trained with the, the uh, Hungarians and... You know, and, and all over the place. He's been all over the world and sampled all the different training systems and kind of learned as much as he could about Hammer from all these different people. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you can learn what to do and you can learn what not to do. And so he's taken that and then just kind of synthesized it into his own philosophies and those type of things. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it's really kind of a, a scholarly approach in a way mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. so that that's one thing uh that he's done he's you know when he's younger he he trained really hard he's done some you, you hear all the different stuff like the uh you know the flying 60s run 6.37 which is basically maurice green's world record so um, wow and you, a you flying know, 60 f- flying 60 so yeah. you look at that and go, still, well, that's moving. i go you know with a start okay that's like six six eight or something like that right, and go wait right Hold on a second. That's really freaking fast. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. And, and then you got you know almost twelve foot standing long jump and the forty four inch vertical and the four nineteen power clean at two hundred and twenty five pounds and oh my gosh. And uh, you know I I he I asked him one time. Uh, I said, "What's the most throws you ever taken in practice?" Because I think uh, you he, said this in the last it, one. It was one hundred and fifty. Yeah, yeah. He, like he went up to seventy seven <laughs> meters and came back down over three different times. Dude, like a, that is something Bonderstruck would do. It's just, just something. So oh he's, he's done. He's done all the stuff that's like, wow, this is crazy YouTube stuff that everybody would geek on and go, this is crazy. But 
he's not he's not really that guy right now. He's more about at this point in his career where he's done throwing. He's more like okay. Uh, number one, he keeps he keeps on mentioning uh, we were doing some articles together. He's like, you know, what? we got to really sit down and write our book. You know, on throwing. I'm like. That sounds great. We just got to figure sure. out how we're going to talk about it, you know. So, yeah. Um, yeah. but there's so much stuff there. You just got to organize all the thoughts. But he's he um, one thing I found like one thing that he did was he would throw the 16 pound hammer and kind of find his throw and get his timing with the standard implement, and then throw different weights, either heavy or light, after that, which I thought was a pretty unique concept. But it made complete sense. I don't understand. It, what do you mean? Like, so, so like, like in a workout, you mean? Like, no, as a no it's like the first thing you do is throw the 16 for training. Tell him right. he, he had a good timing and technique with it. Oh, okay. Then you throw an 8K. Whereas, oh, you know, a lot of people come okay. in and go, okay, we're doing 8K for three weeks. Then we're doing 9K oh, for three weeks. Then we're doing light hammers. Oh, that's it. Block it. He, huh. he, goes, he, he goes and finds, it's more zen like. It's more like, I'm going to find my throw with the right. standard implement. Make sure that's in place. Then I can try it with something that's non-standard, right? As right, opposed right, to, well, right. I got an 8K PR. That's great. Does it work on the seven? Because it doesn't work on the seven, it doesn't mean shit, you know. So yeah, 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 uh, yeah. So I thought that that was interesting. The other thing that I, I thought was interesting, and I you can't do this with young throwers, but with more advanced throwers, I did this more and more. Was when we throw. He would throw and do 40 throws, for example, and we just do the workout. Then we'd talk about it afterward. We weren't talking very much during the workout. Yeah. And he said, hey, you know, when you read a book, if you're in a book club and you read a book, you read the book and then you talk about the book afterward. You don't read the first sentence and then analyze it, then read the second sentence and analyze it. That doesn't make sense. You, you you don't even know what you're analyzing yet because you haven't even gotten into the story yet. Wow. So you got to let the practice tell the story. What type of practice is it going to be? What was the was it easy to throw that day? Was it hard to throw? How are you feeling? What parts did you, you know? You got to let the practice develop so you know what you are doing and feeling. Yeah. And I thought, you know what? That makes a whole lot of sense because you you've seen it. You know, you get into a Yeah. You just never let grow because you're yeah. getting in the way, interjecting where it's like, stay out of it. Let's see, like like Bundrachuk saying, the 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 body's going to find the way. You know. Yeah. yeah. Let the practice find the way. Now, if something's going really wrong, then um, th- then maybe you say something. Yeah, for sure. So do you I, do you get do you get do you get uh, do you get pulled off of that by uh, emotion? Because I don't. Myself, I typically won't get pulled out of that groove. Like, I totally agree with you. The best yeah. workouts are when very little said and everybody's in a groove and you just let it go and boom, boom, boom. And I'm pretty good at not getting sucked at, sucked out of that groove by something I see technically. Yeah. But, I, but I'm a sucker for emotion, so especially with females. So, like, if they throw and they get start getting discouraged or angry yeah then i start getting like okay well okay well okay we need to you know okay well how did that feel okay well we okay well let's let's try yeah. and then the next oh my god and then you the next thing you, you know you're all over the place right? and you know what usually works on that is a little bit the opposite like just shut up and throw the thing we're shutting practice t- like it's like a slap in the yeah. face yeah i mean we don't know slap in the face but 
no, as opposed I, to how you no, feel. And, okay, yeah. you get Don into, Babbitt does not slap his yeah. athletes in the yes. face, especially the females. So, so, so we, but but you know, you 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 kind of need. To, it starts to go sideways. You got to do something yeah. a little bit drastic to yeah, take yeah. the mind off because the mind's yeah. starting to get into the practice, yeah. and you got to get the mind out of the practice. So usually something drastic. We'll do it. If you start going, well, tell me about your feelings. Let's see if we can maybe you start tinkering with this, man. It goes sideways so more fast. often than not so fast. So, so fast, man. Um, it's unbelievable. Yeah, the primitive I, is better in, in a lot of cases. So. I've got to get better at that. I mean, I just like, you know, and, and, you know, and I typically the last, oh God, the last 15 years of my career, I, I don't have big groups anymore. Yeah. Right. I have, always have a small group, one or two athletes. And, and it's worse that way because you, with the fewer athletes you have, the easier it is to over, you know, to over input. Right. Because yeah. there's, you know, we got one or two standing there. Right. You have to be far more disciplined. Whereas if you got a huge group, I think sometimes there's, you know, it's, they, you know, they just naturally get left to their own devices for yeah. some, to some degree, right? And yeah. so, yeah, so it's been, yeah. So anyways, yeah. I'll, well, I'll, uh, let me tell you ahead. really quickly one little funny Koji story, uh, kind of training story. So, you know, Koji's always been a bit on the war path about the international cage, you know, and, and uh, it, 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 you know. I love him even more now. Yeah, yeah. So he's, <laughs> you know, he's actually gone to the IAAF and submitted a report and said why it's, yeah you know, why it's not good and why this would be better, blah, blah, blah. So, so when he, he gets to Athens one day, just, just know that the right side of the cage, you know, you can throw and the handle will hit the right side of the cage and the ball will hit like, you know, if you throw 80 meters, yeah, the ball, it'll, the it'll ball be hits 10 like meters 40, in the sector. Yeah, it, yeah. It'd be 10, 12 yeah. meters in the sector, like 40 yeah, feet totally. in the sector. Yeah. And so, so he comes out and he's throwing right down the right side of our sector with our cage. And we don't have an international cage. We had the NCAA UCS cage at the time. She's so throwing right down the right sector. And what he was doing was he was trying to see how far, how close he could come to hitting the cage and just squeak it just inside the cage on the right side then see where it would land in the sector to see how much of the sector was cutting off. So it was like, it was landing like... Um, like like five feet in, you know, because the, the NCAA, I'm sorry, I'm by the NCAA. Well, any any cage is better, but the NCAA one's pretty darn good. It it, it it covers what it's supposed to cover. So he hits a couple of those, and then he throws one, and it goes into the 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 net, and and it can't, it gets stuck there. And our net's kind of beat up, so it's caught there. Right. So I'm thinking, okay, coach, he was pushing it close, you know, and. Uh, but he just pushed a little bit too much, and he got it caught there. So then his next throw, he throws right into the cage, hits the exact same spot. And actually, when he hit it, he knocked the other hammer down, but then the other hammer got stuck there. Right. And I go, and I thought, okay, Koji was trying to see how close he could get, then he hung a hammer up. So obviously, his next throw, he's going to try to just get it out of the cage, just barely, but he put it back in the cage again. I go, Koji, I said... Are you? I interrupt. Are you okay? And he goes, No, no, no. He goes, I, I, I was trying to get the other hammer down. So, <laughs> and, <laughs> and I go, Okay. I thought he was being real good by seeing you know, how close he get to the cage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now he's freaking throwing it right at a certain point to knock the other hammer down. 
Now, wow. ideally, he was trying to hit it, knock it down, and the other one would come down too. Right. But our cage is so mangled up, it caught the second one. Right. So I right. thought, you know what? We're dealing with a higher power of technique here than I've ever yeah, seen totally, before. Totally. To be able so, to do that three times in a row? <laughs> he yeah, he yeah, was throwing it exactly. Sure. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, something else. who do you know that can do that? You know? I mean, maybe yeah. Sadiq could do that in his, in his day, but like, uh, yeah. It, it was just funny. So, uh, yeah. No, no, for sure. And, and hey, then, listen, yeah. Oh, then, go then, ahead. No, no, the, no, go ahead. Then the practice started. Then the next throw was like right down the middle. And then, right. and then the next right. 17 throws landed within like, you know, a meter. Centimeter. Yeah, within yeah, a yeah. meter, if not closer. Yeah. So Yeah, it's like it's like Sadiq in that uh in the eighty six uh, European champs, yeah. right? You know, I mean he put all those throws within that I think three box. of them landed within a foot of each other. Yeah. I mean it was incredible. Yeah. Not just in distance, but actually within a foot of each other. It was yeah. just it's insane. Well, yeah. Well, that's mastery, man. Yeah. That's what that is. That's that's when you Hey, listen, man. Yeah. This has been awesome, man. I could talk for hours about well, I could talk to you for hours, but yeah. listen, this has been fantastic. So I'm going to uh, let's let's get you back on in in uh, or at least let's record in a couple of weeks. Yeah, and we'll we'll do let's do one of these on shot and uh, and disc. And yeah, maybe I don't know. We'll we'll just see where it goes. Yeah, uh, I really enjoy it. I think Coach is going to get a lot out of this, and it's good to have uh, such good quality uh throws on my on the podcast because i haven't i've been kind of neglecting that yeah. a little bit lately so uh <laughs> apologies to all the throws coaches who but hey you know you i think the i think they've been just rewarded so all right buddy well thanks a lot eh really appreciate it and yeah, uh, good sure luck thing. to you thank you very much all right i'm gonna get some care. good uh good sleep here it's been a long yeah. day so yeah yeah <laughs> all right all right okay talk Take to you care. soon Derek. okay bye-bye <laughs>